Morelia Python Radio with your hosts, Eric Burke and Owen McIntyre. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Morelia Python Radio. And tonight, uh, we're talking with Kevin Wilninski. Uh, uh, we're going to be talking about Popwin Pythons, uh, not Popwin Carpet Pythons, but the actual Popwin Pythons. Um, so not an olive python either. It's something no. completely different. Yeah. Not an mm, olive so. Python. so this should be, uh, this should be a cool show. Um, uh, Kevin, Kevin is one of the only people that I know, uh, that has successfully bred these guys. Um, and, uh, we're going to talk to him tonight all about it. So, uh, uh, I want you to know how dangerous this show is. Um, I received my bonus today at work, and there's oh, a pair no. of young oh, and there's a pair of young pop one pythons on King Snake. So, this is a very dangerous show for me because they're there. I know they're there, and uh, I need to be strong and not buy it. So, oh wow, is it Kevin's yeah. pop? No, the, the some I think Sonia has them. But um, either way, it's dangerous. Very, very dangerous. This is usually how <laughs> these shows ruin me, where it's like, these are so awesome. I'm like, well, I do have money in the bank. And, oh, my God, there they are. So now it's like, you know, I, I may need to tune out half the show just to run away and protect myself. So, no, Riley, you don't get to say in this matter. So, <laughs> but, yeah, um, I'm looking forward to it because ever since I was messing around with yours, um, they're a cool species of python. One of those ones that you kind of don't appreciate until you get it in front of you. Yeah, they're definitely different than any python that I've ever had. Um, and I've had a good deal of them. Um, but uh, <laughs> well, I mean, like what's to... left on the list, like duns? It's like you're checking them off. So Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to getting uh, – I have a pair um, – that's coming from Kevin, uh, you know, with just weather waiting. So it's no big deal. You know, I look at it like I was saying to him the other day, it's like Christmas. You know, he <laughs> came for something a long, long time ago. And it's <laughs> like, oh, wow. I got like free snakes, <laughs> you know, it's, it just shows up. <laughs> the sucky part is, is that I don't know about you, but this morning there was frost all over everything. And then by noon, I'm running around without my coat on because it's that warm. So it's like, the problem is that the mornings, which would be when the snakes would do most of their traveling in this area en route to you, is still getting like frost on the ground and it's icy and cold. But then afternoon when the sun's up, it's all nice and warm. So you're like, you're so close to the shipping window being reopened to receiving animals. It's got to be killing you. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing is, is like, um, you know, it's not so much the weather on on our end as much as mm. the weather on, on his end, you know, and it's like, it's one of those things where, you know, I, especially with a species like this, I don't want to take the chances. I'll, I'll wait. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh I'll, yeah. I'll wait. It's whenever you try to rush something or get it in during, and that's when something goes wrong. It's like, well, the, this is an ideal, but, and that's when you find out like FedEx goes on strike or something after, the package is like in the air or something like that. Like it's whenever you try to do that. I mean, uh, yeah. so the best thing to do definitely is wait. 
Yeah. So uh, before we get Kevin on, uh, we got to give a shout out to Matt Minotola. Happy birthday to Matt. Yay. What's he he like, uh, 29 now or something like that? I don't know. He's like 34. (laughs) Guys, man. You know, I don't, it's like, you know, it, listen, listen, just because you're the old man of the group doesn't mean that, you know, you have to take it out on poor Matt and myself. Yeah. I yeah. am. I am definitely. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. <laughs> I don't but, know if being the old man, I'm actually wiser. I, I don't know if that applies. Uh, we don't know yet. <laughs> but but uh, um, it was. I, I saw him on Saturday because it was the Hamburg show, um, uh-huh. and uh, he had to make sure that he was wearing his uh, Eagles championship shirt. And I'm like, have you taken that off? since I saw you when you came up to my house, he goes, no, I'm like, all right, that's odd. But you know, it was a, it was a good Hamburg. It was a good show. Uh, Lon was there. Lon showed up out of nowhere. Um, no way. He was there pick, yeah. He's out there picking up some, uh, wolf snakes. And, uh, I was all excited, but the guy, he oh, was what? getting them from wolf snake. What the hell? It's a colubrid. It's, it's a colubrid. It's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a random, weird-looking colubrid that, like, comes in eating lizards and shit. So Lon oh. was getting a pair of those, and I guess the guy who he's getting them from forgot them. So Lon was there, Ooh. and, like, we were all excited about playing with this weird-ass colubrid, and didn't happen. So, um, uh, but I, 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 they're just going to work out shipping. He's going to get it. But um, uh, then he went off, and I think he got a Japanese rat snake and stuff like that. So... Lon's getting into the crazy colubrid stuff, so I what have. You uh, Did you rub off on him or what? <laughs> I guess. I, apparently, yeah. people listen to me when I speak. I don't know why, but yeah. you know that's just one of those things where he's starting to get into that stuff. So, um, that's cool, man. I'll leave that to you guys. I'll I'll stick with the pythons. <laughs> yeah, you can do um, that, and I'll run <laughs> over there. Yeah, so uh, I wanted to make sure that uh, we said congrats to the uh, Chameleon Breeders Podcast for the Reader's Choice of uh, 2017 for, I guess, radio show of the year, podcast of the year, whatever. Um, I guess he he does an awesome job, really, really great quality podcast, and it's got good guests and whatnot, and... um, if you're into chameleons, uh, it's definitely something that you should check out. Or maybe even if you're not into chameleons, maybe listen to it and uh, maybe you'll get into chameleons. I don't know. Chameleons never did it for me. I still listen to that, you know, because you can pick little things out of out of those things uh, by listening uh, to those shows. Uh, maybe apply yeah. it to what you do, you know. But hey, hey chameleons scare the crap out of me because I just um, they've always always were taught uh, that they were the fragile creature. So right. if you can do chameleons, more power to you, because I think I would just screw it up and kill all of them. So, you know, that's, <laughs> if that's your thing and you can totally do that, that is awesome, especially because there are a lot of really cool chameleons um, out there from like really, really tiny guys to those big mellers. I mean, they're a really cool reptile. And once again, you can do it, more power to you, because I, I know I'd like kill it by looking at it. So, right. Yep. Yeah. And then, um, I'm uh, up to clutch number two. Um, oh crap! So I'm I'm behind, man. You I got to catch up. You're already on like three or four IJ clutches or something like that. Yeah, I have um, three females that should be laying probably in like a week or two, and then um, 
Yeah. So the one girl I'm doing MI, um, the first girl, she's still going strong. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try to videotape it at some point. Um, and then, I, I don't uh, think I don't think it's that hard. You just gotta have a camera in her face. I mean, she's yeah. not going anywhere. <laughs> so. Yeah. She's wrapped tight around them. I just wanted to try to get a, a quick little video of, of what it looks like. And yeah. basically, like I've said a million times, I just throw sphagnum moss into the tub and, you know, she goes to it and that's it. I don't worry about heat, humidity or, I mean, you know, it's the same as what she would normally get. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. The other girl, uh, the, so the girl that just laid since the last show, um, was uh, I did an IJ or oh, man? See, I said it. Poplin. No, it's Perfect. too late now. It's over. No, can't <laughs> <Head>, backtrack. <laughs> yeah, head Xanax to uh, another. Um, oh. For for this show, I'm going to call him IJ so I don't get him confused with Poplin <laughs> Python. Yeah, the, thank you. Um, so <laughs> you're you're getting. Long story short, you're getting Xanax IJs this year potentially. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Definitely. So. Um. Uh. Yeah. So I, I'm excited about it. That clutch was ten eggs. She was actually about a thousand grams. Um. Is her weight? Maybe. Uh. She's small. Huge head. Uh, in that picture I took of her, you can kind of see. I always talk about when carpets. Um. Oh, Owen dropped off on me. I did not. Well, I'm about to. Oh. oh. <laughs> um. Yeah. So uh, you can always see the big head. I always talk about the big head as uh, females mature and ready to go. So uh, what the hell is going on here? Are you there? I think I lost Owen. Great. All right. Well, <laughs> I'm going to keep going until um, Owen gets back on. Um, I'm just going to start without him. Uh, I think uh, we have Kevin on the line there. Hey Kevin, welcome to Murray hey, Python Radio. Going, oh, we're thank going you, good, man. You. Going good. Can't wait to talk. So we call them pop ones. I don't know. Some people call them papuans. Uh, you know, I, I'm going with pop ones. Yeah. So, you know, some people still call them pop ones. We'll try to just cut it off at pop ones. You know, keep it a little less confusing. Right. So let's just start at the beginning and just find out a little bit about yourself. Like, how did you get started in reptiles? You know what, man? I think it was truly just like a calling. Like my grandparents, when I was a little kid, you know, four or five years old, six years old, my grandparents had iguana, like a 16-foot Burmese python. So it was just something that always was like around me. So I guess it really just swallowed up all my interest, you know? And I just ran with it ever since. You know, I I grew up on a street that was really cool. I had a prairie and a forest reserve right next to my house so i was always doing you know just out herping as a kid catch catching critters you know it was just something that never uh never left my side you know just always been with me cool cool so I, i'm sure you've kept a lot of various species over the years anything stand out as one of your favorites besides the pop ones <laughs> um i'd say besides the pop ones i i got a strong love for the big snakes you know but in these last few years, you know, I've kind of, I've got, I've got young kids, you know, 10 and under, and it's just the big bodies, they're, they're a lot more work, you know, it's a little hairier and scarier when you got little kids involved, and 
more responsibility factor, you know, so I've kind of slimmed down from them, but I mean, I've always been a fan of the big snakes, you know, retakes, uh, berms, anacondas, you know, heavy bodied animals. But, uh, that's actually you. what drew me to the Papuans, you know, that's, that's kind of how I even found them. I remember being a kid scrounging the internet when it would scream at you when somebody picked up the phone, you know, they would dial up and, uh, Papuans came up as like, you know, number 10 on the list of big body, you know, or, or in length, you know, for size of big snakes. Right. Um, cool. Kind yeah, of how I, mean, I even came into touch with them. Did Have you ever worked with like scrubs or anything like that? I have. Yeah, I have. I've had a few scrubs over the years, you know, it, um, I kick myself in the butt for not still having them, you know, just life always always uh, spinning you know what i mean and um i've had a few over the years there the papuans and the scrubs are very similar i think in characteristics uh in the you know i guess like in body style and the way they move and carry themselves around you know they're very similar very um yeah, i guess just similar you know they're both very standout species right Okay, cool. Well, uh, so you got into pop ones just because you saw, I mean, like what, what made you pull the trigger with them? Did you, did you know anything about them or you're just like, I'm going to take a chance on these or like, you know, did you see one? I honestly, I, I had seen them from a kid, you know, like I told you, I I remember Googling around and I asked my mom to stay off the phone so I could use the computer, you know, and, and, and just searching. And it was an animal that I really thought I would never see, you know? Right. And, mm-hmm. and then I did see them for sale and I kind of slept on the pair and they were gone in a, in the blink of an eye and I was kicking myself in the butt. And I'd say maybe two to three months later, um, the pair that I actually just had proved out came up and I was like, I, I thought about it for maybe two minutes and I was like, you know what? I don't even care. I'm just going to do it. And, mm-hmm. and I'm tell you, I could never be happier. I did. They're everything I ever could have hoped for and thought they would have been, you know, and then some, they're just, they're really unique. You know, there's everything about them to me. Like I, I may be a little biased in, in opinions, but mm-hmm. they're my favorite, you know, now for sure. Did the the fact that they weren't um, bred in captivity, you know, uh, routinely, did it, is that something that drew you to them? Like that you were going to try to figure out or Um, was it not even breeding, just keeping them? I'd say initially, not really, you know, initially it was just the fact that there was so much unknown, you know what I mean? So I Mm -hmm. wanted to know more, you know, being uh, curious by nature, I wanted to know more. You know, and I figured the only way that was going to happen, Google was very limited, was mm-hmm. going to be to get my hands on them and, you know, play with them and just keep them, see what made them happy, you know. And um, really that the the breeding kind of followed into that, you know, into the curiosity portion. And uh, it just, you know, it's been a snowball effect since. And uh, yeah, it just, it, it all went, it all kind of coincided, you know, like it wasn't the initial plan but i'm obviously it happened you know i'm gonna be happier <laughs> so what awesome. size group, oh, sorry owen i was just gonna Go ask ahead. like what size group do you have or are you working with as far as possible uh, you know right right now i have uh the pair that produce one male and the fe- you know, male and female they're both mature animals they they were 
uh, in the country 10 years before I got my hands on them. And I, I bought them in 2015. Um, mm-hmm. And they both had some pretty extensive lineage, like linked to them um, who had them and whatnot. But, uh, and then I have a few younger females that I'm raising. Up. They seem to vary really much in the girth area, more or less the like length. Like I have my females in the 11 to 12 foot range that had the babies already. And um, I have a few females that are like eight to nine feet and they are just nowhere near as girthy. Uh, so I feel like that's something that comes with maturity, you know, into that, probably into that, you know, 10 year range, they probably start putting on that to breed, you know, but uh, yeah, I got, awesome. so, so for now, yeah, I just have the two, three females and a male uh, adult animals. Awesome. So, uh, can you kind of give us a little bit of their natural history, kind of where they're found and, you know, kind of, kind of how, how large are they known to kind of be grow up to? I know you said you kind of have some 12 footers to like six footers, the little ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, really from my personal like experience seeing them, I do know mm-hmm. that there's a pair here. Obviously they come from PNG, you know, and, and local islands, but, um, I have personally seen animals in the States for sale and uh, talked to the people and everything that where the, they were 15, 16, possibly like pushing 17 feet. They, they were some really big animals. And, uh, and I'm pretty sure that's about max that you'll even see on, you know, uh, Googling around uh, in about them in general, that's about max. But I think the average size from what I've seen and what I've, personally read and researched is you know 11 to 12 feet is your average animal okay um but i've also heard you know the bigger animals don't produce reproduce either you know like i don't know if they age out or if there's just a a size factor where they just don't have the drive to reproduce anymore or what i mean i'll be Mm -hmm. it'll be cool to see as my animals progress and and you know obviously age and grow you know be able to put more pieces to the puzzle but for now i'm kind of just you know playing it by ear you know seeing what happens how it goes cool um so do you have any idea like what are what's their natural food source kind of in the wild to get as big as they get i mean are they just eating anything in sight um from from the research i've done it seems to be you know i've read that they were they've seen them in the wild eating possums and big animals um, I, I like to stick to the varied diet, no matter what I'm keeping, you know, mm-hmm. I switch it up between, uh, rats, rabbits, guinea pigs. I, I'm a, I do a lot of feeding with fowl, you know, chickens, ducks. Um, I don't know if that has anything to do with my, um, luck in the breeding area or not, but I, I always try to use a varied diet. But like I said, in the wild, I did say that they've, they will take large prey, but I'm also a believer in multiple small items mm-hmm. rather than one large prey item. You know, I feel it's better for the animal and the whole digestion factor and uh, overall health and well-being. You know, no one wants a fat, obese animal. Yeah. Right. So how, how, how do you gauge that? How do you gauge yeah. what size prey you're going to feed? Um, usually I'll kind of feel them out, you know. I'll, um, I'm not scared to give them a large prey item because – I mean, anybody who keeps snakes knows they're they have an amazing ability to take down prey. Um, oh, so yeah. I'll usually give them something that I'm relatively comfortable with, and see how quick they take it down. You know, do they take it down in five minutes, ten minutes, a half hour? 
And I usually try to get it to where they consume a, consume a whole meal within the 10-minute frame. You know, and okay. then I start to feel more comfortable with it and maybe offer them a few of them at that point, depending on the size of the animal, you know, how interested they are in the meal. But, yeah, try to usually just uh, I, per animal. You know, I can't say per, you know, this species, that species. I'm usually, like, I try to get on the same level as the animal I'm working with. Right. You know? And, you know, varies depending on them. So, um, now, you, you mentioned all the other pythons and animals that you've kept. How are these guys, like, how do they differ compared to, like, say, some of the other pythons you've kept kind of personality-wise as well as their unique features? Um, I guess, really, the first thing that jumps out is the ability to change colors. I mean, <laughs> a color-changing yeah, snake, you know what I mean? That's, yeah. <laughs> do you need to say more? <laughs> no, 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 but, you're good. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but beyond that, um, their facial features. I mean, they they have this short, stout nose, just like a, they're like the a bulldog of the snake world. You know, they this really mm-hmm. short face, and they have a very they they have to be one of the most inquisitive species I've ever seen. Where everything they do, I feel like they're examining me every time I move around them or touch them. You know, very vocal. Uh, um, a lot of my animals hiss or, or and. They'll even wheeze at you like they, they almost sound sickly, but they're not. They're just, they make all kinds of noises. Mm-hmm. Um, females are very defensive of their cages. Every female I've had and have currently, you know, I have to go in their cage with a hook because they're just full of piss and vinegar. And But as soon as you get them out, they're that inquisitive animal that just wants to check everything out. They all go to the sky. You'd think they were uh, arboreal by nature, but everyone's everything in the books say they're terrestrial and I've given them opportunities to be in caging with, uh, you know, plenty of perching and climbing areas, and they don't really utilize them. So I'm, you know, I think I don't know if it's just a, a defense mechanism or what, but every time I take them out, boom, they're to the ceiling. You know, they're trying to climb on the ceiling fans, get into the uh, lift the tiles on the ceiling. So you know, they very very uh, inquisitive, exploratory animal. <laughs> That's awesome, though. Um... So, uh, do they kind of, I, I've heard that they can, you know, you, you talked about the color change. Is that a, uh, time of day color change? Is it a kind of mood color change? Is, uh, what, what is the color change? You know, I, I obviously this is all just personal, um, opinion. And from what mm-hmm. I've seen, I, I have no science to back anything, but I feel like it's just a mood. I, I really truly feel it's a mood thing. I'll, um, all my I whole room heat, so most of okay. my animals have very similar conditions in caging, you know. So st- I could come in and every animal could be black, a bitone, very dark olive, and you know a lighter olive. You know, there's there's a split like that. You know, they got that bitone going on, and one mm-hmm. or two could just be the most beautiful green, you know, golden green. And, and, it, and there's no rhyme or reason whatsoever. It just, I don't know what they're, it doesn't matter if everybody's eating or not eating. Any time of the day, somebody could be that beautiful light coloring, you know, it, and to me, I just think it's however they're personally feeling, you know, if they're, I can't put any rhyme or reason to it other besides that. Hmm. All right. Well, maybe they just, you know, I I don't know. So that's awesome though, is that they, you can be, 
any time of day, any kind of thing, the thing could just morph into a different color. That's really different awesome. color. They they have about yeah. three phases, I'd say. You know, there's like a, a, a complete uh, far end spectrum of dark, and then a, and then a complete opposite the opposite side of light. You know, and then there's even a middle color there. It's really neat. Like I encourage anybody cool. who hasn't hands-on interacted with them to do so. I mean, I, I it really stinks. I wish there was more captive animals mm-hmm. available because I hate to promote people, you know, purchasing wild-caught animals, but you have to start somewhere. And right. there, you will not regret keeping this species. It's like <laughs> I could promise you that. You know, if you're into scrubs or retics or carpets or, you know, just oddities in their own, you will you'll appreciate them. <clears throat> That's awesome. So, um, as far as, uh, caging, um, what do you use for cages from, let's say like your hatchlings all the way up to like your biggest guys? Um, you know, with the hatchlings, I, I initially had them in uh six court rack mm-hmm. from up till I just started putting them into some, some tubs I have, I have a freedom, freedom breeder rack with some bigger tubs, like 24 by 28 or something like that. Uh, and they, and they seem to prefer smaller caging to me. I've, I've kind of played with it. I've offered snakes that are say eight to, you know, six to eight feet, mm-hmm. uh, six by three cage. And they don't look comfortable. They're they're They don't come out of their hide much. I don't see the inquisitive side of them. And I'll mm-hmm. put them in a four by two, and it's a completely different animal. Um, you know, they're they're out and about. They show face. They, you know, they they're, they're 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 they seem comfortable. You know, they're like they're in their own. And same thing with my big snakes. I've I have my female. She's she's pushing. She's every bit of twelve feet. I want to say really hard to measure them. They're they're so active and so everywhere when you take them out. But um, I have her in a six by three. And she's every bit of at home in it. Now, my male, on the other mm-hmm. hand, he's in the 11 to 12 foot range, and he doesn't want any part of a big cage. So I have him in a four by two. I take him out. I let him go in a six by three regularly just to make sure he gets out and stretches around, moves around. But he does not, I, he wants no part of it, I can tell. You know, he, he hides and does not come out when he's in a big cage. So I try to, I just try to accommodate them per animal again, you know, uh, I, I that's really how I keep everything, you know, whatever I feel that specific animal needs or wants, you know, I will Mm -hmm. move them around until I feel they're happy. Okay. I mean, like, do do you think they just almost prefer kind of maybe a little bit tighter of a range or something like that? I mean, uh, or do they, because you said they were kind of getting a little uneasy about all the big space. Yeah, I, I really do. I, I almost think they prefer it. Um, you know, I, I wish I could give you more info on it. I, I, I really, no. it's just what I see them when I, when mm-hmm. I, I know when I see them active, like I could walk up to my female's cage right now. And as soon as I touch that lock, she's right there looking at me and she's making, see, what am I doing? Am I coming to feed her? Am I coming to take her out? Is she going to try and kill me today? Or is she going <laughs> to like me? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and I, and I, and I feel like it's a really good gauge, you know, because if I do the same thing with my male when he's in that six-foot cage, he's in his hide and he's not doing anything. And I go to get him and he tucks his head under a couple coils. You know, he, right. he he's not confident. He's not feeling himself in there. 
Right. You know, I could put him in the four foot cage, and I go in there to get him, and he and he shoots out. You know, his neck shoots out three feet past the cage, and he's trying to come out. You know what right. I mean? So, uh, just per animal, you know what I mean? I I I try to gauge everything by what that specific animal is telling me. But I would say in general, I think they prefer smaller caging. Okay. I mean, because that's usually where people end up having, like, I'm sitting here thinking that I can't possibly get them because I don't have the room for them. But now you're telling me I might. This is very dangerous. This is not good for me. But um, <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> I know that feeling all too well. Yeah. Um, so as far as temperatures, you say you kind of heat the whole room. But uh, do you also provide individual hot spots? What what are the temps you usually keep them at? Um, so so I usually run my whole room at around like eighty three degrees, and that sounds a little high for some. I, I know a lot of people keep it cooler. I know people keep it hotter. Um, mm. Me running at like eighty three uh, and with fans, it keeps my whole room about eighty one degrees. Okay. And um, from there, I do have. Um, flex watt on most of my caging where I do provide, you know, a hotter area, but with the Papuans in specific, they, they seem to not like the extremes. They don't want nineties and they're okay with 78, you know, they're okay with mid seventies to mid eighties. Like I feel like they could endure that all the time and they would be perfectly happy, but you, you get, you start dipping down at nighttime. I tried it before. They don't mm-hmm. seem to like it. Um, okay. And and there's times when whole room heating gets away from me in the summer when it gets hot out, you know, mm-hmm. the ambient changes in there, and it could spike. It could be up to 88. And I've walked in there at one time when it was almost 90 degrees just using different heaters and stuff. And, uh, yeah, I could tell they weren't happy because all of them are out and about. They're really active. Like, they are looking for somewhere to hide, you know? Yeah, I, I, I so, could so are, see that. They definitely, they like the middle ground. Like, mid-70s, mid-80s is their, in my opinion, that's their, um, that's their ideal situation. Okay, and it makes sense for a lot of the other pythons from that kind of region are kind of the same way. Right, correct. Yeah, okay. Um, so, for feeding, you, uh, how often do you offer food to your guys? And I know you said you do big meals and a varied diet. Uh, I think somebody posted up a video of a Papuan eating like a raw chicken leg. I mean, are these things garbage disposals pretty much when it comes to stuff? Um, you know, I, I've seen a lot of people with that raw chicken. Um, yeah. I, from, I personally, I don't have experience with it, but I know people who do do it. Um, mm-hmm. I, can't say I would do it unless I was in a pinch. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, me either. <laughs> so, <laughs> but you know, t- like I said, teach their own. This, this is a, a very diverse hobby. People do different things, and you know, whatever works for you. I would never down a man for you know doing what they do. But mm-hmm. um, I stick to whole prey. I feel there's nothing better, in my mm-hmm. personal opinion, you know, than to try and mimic nature. Um, it's. Uh, yeah, I don't – it's a hard one for me. You know, I, I just do what I can when I can. You know, I have a very strong connection with a person in my area who breeds chickens and uh, nice uh, and yeah. ducks and a lot of fowl, so, so I take advantage of that. Um, mm-hmm. But I always make sure to get back to, you know, mixing in rabbits, rats, 
whatever I can. And and with them, I don't know. I, I'd say they kind of are garbage bulls. I haven't had really any of my older animals besides my babies that I produce mm-hmm. give me any trouble with eating, like, whatsoever. Um, maybe a little bit of scenting here and there because all – like most species that I've ever worked with, when you use fowl, they seem to get a little addicted to it. So, mm-hmm. um, so I do have to every once in a while scent my rats or rabbits to get them to take them. But once they take one, I don't have to scent them anymore. So, um, I guess in the in a sense, yeah, they I have not had in my they could they very well are a garbage disposal. <laughs> <laughs> They'll take just about anything you offer them. So, is there any? Uh, Oh, so go ahead, Eric. I was gonna uh, say, I is mean, there uh, any rhyme or reason to the, you know, how you feel? Like, what I, do you do? Chicks for a couple weeks and then switch it to, you know, rats and then go back to, to birds. Like, is there any method to the madness, or are you just like randomly, whatever is available? available. Um, you know what, I I kind of have to remind myself to switch it up because of the, um. The, the the birds that I get are having a really good deal on them. You know, you know they mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So, um, I do use them a lot, but I I I have some people that I purchase from that I try to stay in good graces with. You know, so I for my rats and rabbits and so on. So I I definitely do my due due diligence to to keep it varied. You know what I mean? Maybe one week or two weeks in a row I'll do birds. Uh, the next week I'll Make sure I use rats or guinea pig rabbits, whatever I have in the freezer. Uh, just vary, you know, and, and that could be, I may go a whole month of feeding birds, but then I'll switch it up and I'll do a whole whole month of other, you know, rodent prey. So gotcha. I, I really think that has a big thing to do with my animals being uh, healthy and happy, you know, just... I wouldn't want to eat the same thing every day, you know. McDonald's <laughs> yeah. gets old, so. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah, so, um, I mean, and is it uh, a weekly basis for your adults or your, your uh, for your young ones? And, like, every 14 days for your adults, how often is the feeding, you think? Or is it when that one looks hungry? Um, you know, I usually try to stick to the weekly meal. Mm-hmm. Um, I this is my off season. I don't work in the winter. So for the, for my nine months of work, I try to feed everybody on, you know, I'll attempt to feed everybody like Tuesday or Wednesday. So hopefully, you know, they poop on the weekend when I have time to strip everybody <laughs> down and get them fresh, you know, it never works mm-hmm. that way, but I always, have, I always not. try. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, I usually stick to the a weekly feeding, even with my adult animals, you know, um, now for say, I may not feed them the same amount every week, you know, one mm-hmm. week I may give them uh, three rats or, or, or three chickens, and the next week I may just do one. You know, I kind of, okay. I also, I'm kind of big with the feast or famine, too. Like, you know, in nature, they're not going to eat the same way every every time they eat. You know, maybe a big prey item one week and nothing for a couple weeks and, and a small prey item. So I try to switch it up in, like, the volume that I feed them to. Uh, I don't know if I get into it too much in my own head, but I just try to mimic nature. You know, I feel like they're not going to. There's there's no consistency in nature, right? That's cool. I like that idea. And um, so uh, obviously these guys are can be pretty big. How strong are these uh, pythons? Are they like you know? Uh, it kind of seems like with some of the bigger guys, they can really kind of surprise you with how strong they are. 
Yeah. You know what? Honestly, like, all biased aside, I would seriously tell you, like, pound for pound, these mm-hmm. snakes are ridiculously strong. Like, I don't understand how they're not arboreal, the way they the way they use their body. Like, my male, if he wants to go in the, the female's cage and I'm trying to put him in the cage under her, and I, he will coil around my arm so tight, and, <laughs> and I mean – you know, fingers <laughs> turning purple. Like I'm like, I gotta get him off. He's gonna, he's gonna break something. Like he, hmm. pound for pound, some of the sh- strongest snakes I've ever, ever done anything with. And and yeah, I, I encourage anybody to at least go hold one because you you might think I'm crazy. You know, uh, these snakes can be you know 16 feet and still only be 40 pounds, but pound for pound, they're ridiculously strong. Ridiculous. Wow. That's that's awesome. So uh, I, I guess we uh, we had heard that they can almost punch you, like headbutt you, like they don't, but they don't bite. They oh, yes. more along the lines to just ram you with their head. Like, have you had that happen? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, sir. <laughs> I call it I call it bunting, like in like in baseball. <laughs> you know, they um they they take this posture, they'll take this stance, and like my females, more so my male, I can reach in his cage without a hook. I can take him out and do whatever I want to him. He's awesome. Okay, but. Uh-huh. Um, all every girl I have and have had, I've had a few that I just didn't think were right for what I wanted, and I over in the past two, and they are all very territorial from my experience, and they do this, they, you know, they open their mouth and they show you that big black mouth of theirs, and and they'll just hit you, boom, and there's no bite involved, it's just a headbutt, and I, I, it's like an open mouth bunt, they they will take goes at you, and hmm. kind of like the. Uh, Kind of, kind of similar to the olives attitude. When you're not looking, they'll give it to you. You know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's something else. It's interesting. It'll give. It'll keep you on your toes. <laughs> that doesn't that's leave funny. a bruise. <laughs> yeah. How bad does this get? <laughs> no, you know nothing like that. They're, um, honestly, I think they're they they have a really good. They throw a really good bluff. They, they want mm. you to think they're some really big bad animal. But once you get your hand, any of them I've had that act tough. As soon as you have control of them, that's over. It's done. There's nothing else. You know, there's no biting. There's no more of that open mouth, you know, bunting bite. It, they they calm down. They they accept the fact that you have them, and they go about their business, and they become inquisitive. I can't use the word enough when I try to describe them. Like, they're right. always thinking. When you, when you are holding one and you look at its eyes, it's looking at you too, and it's evaluating you and, what you go, and its situation and what it's going to do. Like, and inquisitive. That's like the best word you can use to describe this snake. Eric, I, you'll see these babies are the perfect, perfect definition of it. They, you you go with their container and everybody wants to bite you. They want to scare you away. As soon as you get control of them, they're examining uh-huh. you just as much as you're examining them. Huh. And oh, wow. very neat. That's awesome. Any, any tips as far as like handling these guys? Like, um, yeah. That they're gonna throw you all over the place and possibly punch you, you know. How would you go about? How would you go about holding these guys? Um, honestly, I mean, just uh, you just got to be firm. Once you have them, it's over. It, it's it's up to you what happens next. Uh, in my experience, it, once you are in control, you're in control. They give up. They're okay with it. You know, they they okay. may try. Like I said, they all my animals go to the roof, and and I'm not just saying that. They do. They physically go to the roof. There's a ceiling fan. They're trying to wrap around it. And That's... my basement, I got ceiling tiles. They lift them up, you know. Uh, wow. 
Um, they, I, they're once you have control of them, it's fine. I mean, I've never been bit while I've been mm-hmm. holding them. And okay. even the meanest of girls that I've had, you know, piss and vinegar, every, you know, multiple strikes in the blink of an eye. Once I have them, all of that's done. And they're a whole different animal. And even the stuff I've kind of read um, through articles online and books that I've seen, um, it's, it seems to be that's their nature. Like even in the wild, you can pick these animals up and, um, you know, there's, there's no fight. You know, they're, yeah. huh. they're more or less willing, wanting to get away. Okay. So, I, I mean, I know you said that your females kind of act a little bit more territorial. Would that kind of go hand in hand with how rare it is to get males imported? Or, uh, I'm sorry, to get, uh, you know, apparently they, they it's five to ten males to females on import because uh, the oh, girls yeah. just kind of stay put and the boys are everywhere. So, is yeah, that why it's I, so hard I, to find them? My personally, like a... From like what I see, like I monitor, like I could tell you right now who has some animals for sale and mm-hmm. uh, and whatnot. And and from what I look at, it seems to be like in my opinion, like at least six to one at at best odds, male to females coming in because they just you don't see them. And I have a strong hunch and feeling it has to do with um, violence during breeding. Um, I've been very lucky up to this point. I did not see any of that in the two years prior to to, to like the last month. Um, I was, uh, let me step back. Okay. So last season I was putting my male with my female for mm. weeks at a time and not thinking twice because I never seen an ounce of aggression out of either one of these animals, no interest in, in attacking each other. You know, I didn't think anybody wanted to eat each other. And I thought I was either lucky or it wasn't as prevalent as it may be thought. Um, so everything was peaches and cream. You know, I was leaving them together for a week, take take the boy out, give him a small meal, uh, let him digest, put him back in. You know, didn't think twice. I, honest to God, you know, never gave it a second thought. Uh, fast forward to this season, mind you, I usually put them together through from November uh, through about the end of March. I think mean, because, you know, I'm just guessing. You know, I don't know what they do in nature. I'm just uh, – right. It's just what I've been mm-hmm. doing, and I, my male is the one I kind of gauge by when he seems like he's really active. I'm like, hey, okay, see what you can do. Um, <laughs> Go for it, buddy. <laughs> right, you know, yeah. he's, he's in there trying to get down on the water bowl, like, hey, you know, let's go over here. Uh, and <laughs> so uh, I've tried to introduce some, uh, I'd say maybe three weeks ago, and uh, on entering her cage – she took a go at him. She she bit him, but it, it was almost like we were talking about that open mouth, you know, headbutt. And yeah. you know, I didn't. There was there was no snag when she came back or any. You know, she wasn't hung up on his his scales. So I so I was like, okay, you know what? Maybe she was just uh, sleeping. Maybe she that was a defensive strike, or maybe she thought it was food. She right like she she like oh right away. There was not you know. So I hung out in the room for about ten fifteen minutes, watched him. Seemed like business as usual. He was cruising around the cage. He was spurring her down. And all right, cool. I felt comfortable. I left the room. I keep all my animals in my basement. Mm-hmm. So I'm in my living mm-hmm. room and I hear a commotion. Boom, 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 boom. I run downstairs and she is completely wrapped around him. Oh, uh, God. His, his upper third of his body, she's biting him directly behind his head. And as if she's done this before, you know, she, she had him by the back of his head and her whole body was wrapped around him. 
I battle to get these, this ball of snake out of the cage. Um, mm. I give a holler for my for my lovely wife who wants nothing to do with my reptiles. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I throw the male's tail at her and say, hold this and do not let go. You know, and I start the battle. You know, now I'm fighting yeah. her. Every coil I can get off of her, my wife's kind of is walking backwards with the male, you know, every inch she can get. And uh, I got them apart and, and you know, uh-huh. everybody, and, and it went right back to business normal. She was fine. She wasn't attacking me. She was, she was over it. I got her in her cage. I kept him out for maybe a good 10, 15 minutes, kind of looked him over. He, he looked dumbfounded, you know, uh, <laughs> he was definitely confused. But, yeah. He had uh, a bad day. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, it wasn't, yeah. Uh, it's never a good day when the old lady beats you up. You know? Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> um, he seemed though, you know, he, he's fine to this day. You know, he seems fine. I've, I've actually introduced him one time after that. Um, she still didn't seem very receptive, but there was no violence. So it made me feel a little more comfortable, but um, I will definitely reevaluate my pairing them from, from this point forward, because that was, <laughs> it was very, you know, it was very intimidating to me, even, you know, you're, you're uncoiling, you know, but to the, between them, there's over 24 to snake. You're trying to get untwisted. And, it's, you know, and for me, there's, you know, I have a, an emotional attachment to both of them. So, you know, I don't want to hurt anybody while doing it. And I don't want anybody to get hurt because I'm not trying hard enough, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, I definitely have them limited. Like I, I don't, I don't think I would ever leave them alone for more than, you know, like three hours ever again without being able to see them and check on them after that so, because things could go wrong very quickly from what i've seen <laughs> oh, so wow. there's a there's a real possibility that uh they could hurt each other or that they will injure each other oh yeah very much so you know i wow. even have confirmed deaths from another uh gentleman who i personally know who's bred them um here in the states uh, I, I give you more information on him but i don't know how no no that's fine no, we don't want to uh, yeah he um he has told me he's lost females to males and he's even lost. Um, I mean, excuse me, he's lost males to females and he's even lost a female to a male in the past. Wow. So it oh. could go both ways, apparently from, from my understanding. So wow. here's a question when they mm-hmm. like, I, I, do, are they eating the snake? Like, if they kill it or, or is it just a territorial thing or are they looking as prey? Um, from, from my personal experience, it looked more to me like she was just not feeling him and she didn't okay, want him in his cage. She did not want to be spurred down and she was letting him know. Uh, <laughs> That's a way to let him know. The message received. But I will say from the way she had him, I mean, it looked every bit as if I did not step in. He very well could have became a meal. I mean, she had him directly behind the head, and that was her bite, you know, right on his neck, right behind the jawline. And um, But I will say from – obviously, I have never seen an animal eat another snake. And um, from the secondhand knowledge I have gained from people who have bred populins, they've lost animals, but none have eaten each other. Okay. Okay. Because uh, I had a friend who did California king snakes, and the female ate the male, and then died regurgitating the male. So oh, it's yeah, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm like, that would be, it'd be shitty to lose one. It'd be really shitty to lose two. So that's, that's I guess a real 
danger Definitely. there. But, and, and I think the danger really comes as your animals are bigger. You know, everybody's seen the horror images of retic bites. You know what I mean? Mm, the bigger mm-hmm. a snake is, the more devastation those teeth are going to cause when they have that utter strength to just grab and pull, you know, and, and yeah. especially with resistance. Uh, uh, I've seen some pictures and heard stories about the Papuans ripping females, ripping males, you know, nine, 10 a foot down their body, you know, gashes from their teeth as they were fighting and, you know, during a courtship. So uh, I, I would encourage anybody who's going to try and breed any to have animals around the same size. Um, at least that way, both animals stands a fighting chance if it does come to a battle. You know, right. uh, yeah. no one's got the upper hand. Gotcha. Jesus. Um. So I guess the other only thing I got left on this little segment here is apparently, uh, have you noticed any kind of like skin issues that these guys may have? Um, I have something here that apparently their skin it comes off, or has um, kind of been very fair or very fine. Uh, you know, I. They are. They seem to be very sensitive. Um, it's kind of odd. It, it seems to be very sensitive skinned, but very mm-hmm. hardy at the same time. Like if you are not monitoring your conditions, like I work out of town, so I may before I go out of town, I will do my very best to feed everybody. Wait until they use the bathroom, clean their cages, and then go to work out of town and and try to and make it back before feeding. Okay, so when I do that. There's, there's times where obviously not everything's perfect. An animal will flip a water bowl, for instance, and I'll come home, and that animal will be on the very beginning of having blister disease. And oh. simply, you know, simply just fixing the environmental conditions and maybe a few betadine soaks, and the animal's back to, you know, like nothing happened. So I do think their husbandry is fairly straightforward as long as you're not soaking wet or bone dry and they have, you know, moderate heat, they're okay. So as long as you're – I don't think this is something that needs uh, specialty keepers, you know, advanced keepers. Like, I think anybody could take care of them as long as you use, you know, your diligence to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Your husband, yeah. you know. As I don't know. The, the skin – Oh, go ahead. You're good. Go ahead. Uh, so, yeah, as for the skin coming off, I did take in a female who was probably, like, every bit of 13, 14 feet. And she, she came to me with issues. She wasn't eating. Um, it was just a situation where I gave her to me, you know, on, on uh, good terms, you know, here, take her, see what you can do with her. You have a pair that's doing good already, you know? And uh, I mean, she was huge. She was great. I was, I was, I was in heaven. I could not get her to eat to save my life. Uh, I ended up force feeding her with a, like a tube syringe type setup. And uh, right. when she did defecate after that, all, all of her teeth were in it. Um, I don't have, unfortunately, I don't have scientific like veterinary backing on it. Like didn't have a necropsy done or anything, but from speaking to a vet and telling me exactly what happened, he told me there's one or two things. It was either she was septic or a vitamin C deficiency. This poor snake, let me tell you, she, uh, after she lost all her teeth, um, she started rubbing in her cage. And so I took her out and I was trying to, you know, feed her again, restrain her and feed her. Her skin started coming off of her body like a rubber glove. Just, um, I, I oh. kid you not, like, 
you imagine a snake being skinned alive, and and sh- you see the oh. videos in China how that that's what started happening. Now I did everything I could to bandage her up and put her in her cage and try and you know keep her clean. It, nothing worked. She peeled it, her skin off. I ended up having to take her in and put her down. It was um, it was pretty bad, but I actually had confirmation from an, <laughs> another gentleman, Eric's familiar with, Mr. Rob Stone. Uh, we had yeah. a nice conversation about pop Yeah, lines. we know that guy. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> uh, and he, and the darndest thing, he confirmed the same thing happening to another Papuan. So I can't say for sure it's a Papuan thing or it's something that could happen to animals that come in maybe that are just too stressed from uh, the importation process and, you know, not being wild animals anymore or what, but... Um, I think if you don't have an animal who's eating, you should probably be on top of it pretty quickly just so things don't escalate or get worse. Wow. Gotcha. Um, something else to worry about now. Jesus. No. Definitely. You know, they're they're definitely sensitive. I mean, a lot of these animals that come in from the import are beat to hell, you know, scars, gnarly scars. I mean, like, look like chunks of their body been missing. Yeah. Uh, so I'd say they're, they can't say for sure, never been to PNG one day maybe, but um, I'd say they're probably heavily preyed upon because of their kind of gentle nature. You know, they're not some big vicious snake that can, I mean, they could do some damage, but you, like I told you before, there's, they throw a lot of bluffs around, you know, a lot of vocalness, a lot of bunting strikes. So um, hard to tell, but I know a lot of animals come in pretty banged up and I've seen their scales are definitely sensitive. You know, if they shed and they rub too hard against something, their scales are wrinkly and, and disformed until their next shed, you know. So they're definitely fragile in that gotcha. aspect. Now, uh, have you noticed the babies? Because, uh, like, are the babies just as fragile or more so until they kind of grow up a little bit? Um, You know, they're about seven months old now. And okay. I would say the only thing that I have noticed with them is the humidity. Because, like I said, I've had them in a rack this whole time. And uh, uh-huh. if my ambient spikes during the day in the room, the front of their containers is where the water bowl is. So the container will start to uh, condensate pretty good. And if I go in there and uh, the paper towels are physically wet all the way through the snakes have a weird look to them they're one of the most iridescent snakes uh i've seen right up night and up there with like bowlings you know they're just the iridescence is insane it's everywhere and when mm. they're exposed to too much humidity they they it, they lack it and they look kind of waterlogged they look soggy you know so but but like i said quickly they bounce you know as soon as you correct their conditions they're mm-hmm. it, it, it they bounce back you know so i feel like so they're really hardy like i compare their hardiness to retics where you know burmese pythons are real susceptible to like ri and and just unhealthy you know they're to me they're an unhealthy snake like they're they're super easy to kill if you if you're not paying attention to your <laughs> husbandry right right and right. um Retics on the to me personally are on like the other end of the spectrum where like you can't kill them you know unless you, you're trying to and <laughs> uh, and I feel like pop ones are are right there too like as long as you are aware of what's going on in your reptile room you know heat humidity uh, you, you you can't go you know as long as you keep an eye on those two things they seem to be very tough animals. Okay, now did you? With the whole vitamin C thing, did you try to 
you know, supplement that at all? Or did the vet give you any suggestions? When it comes um, to so, that? so I have now, mind you, this is just um, me being me. Like I try to, I, I do try different things. Uh, some people may down me for it, uh, you know, but I always say to each their own, I'll never down somebody for what they do with their animals as long as they're not trying to kill them, you know. Um, sure. I do. I have since I witnessed that firsthand. And it was honestly one of the, to see an animal, peel, you know, just come out of its skin and, and to see oh. it make an agony like that, it was very, it was very disturbing to me. Yeah. You know, so I wanted to, take further steps so i started doing some research on the vitamin c um it appears you really cannot overdose on vitamin c worst case scenario you know in humans and animals is diarrhea okay so i did um i have a couple times um supplemented every all my animals in a feeding with you know uh be it a whole tablet of vitamin c or a half or one a quarter one depending on the animal um and and the milligrams, you know, range obviously per pill, you know, if you have 500, 1,000 milligrams, um, I have supplemented them in a rat or in a chicken or something just, just out of precaution. And I never seen any real negative, you know, nobody got diarrhea. Uh, right. No one got sick. Nothing, nothing that told me, oh, my God, I shouldn't do this again. So I've done it a few times, you know, uh, just, right. just for my own personal feel better, I guess, you know, it's something I never want to encounter again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 No, please. Okay. All right. Um, so maybe we can get into some, some breeding. Um, so I guess what I would ask is, do you do anything like a preseason, uh, breeding? Like are you doing any kind of cycle feeding or anything like that or, um, so, so this is where some people will probably be like this guy, like, you know, I'm, I'm really not one to switch things up. Like I know some people cool animals down. Some people switch up feeding. Um, I'm honestly, besides, um, whatever kind of ambient influxes happen just because of outside conditions, you know, I'm in Chicago land, so it could be, uh, 30 degrees in winter. It could be negative 30 the next day in winter. So my room will fluctuate accordingly to that a few degrees. So, right. I mean, besides that, I really do not cycle anything differently except my lights. I, I switch my lights with daylight savings time. If that counts. Uh, huh. sure. You know, but, but <laughs> yeah, why not? But honestly, I, I really keep it across the board all the time. You know, I, I have a routine. I feed weekly. My lights are on, you know, 8 o'clock. They go off at 8 o'clock, 12-hour um, light cycles. I really I, – I wish I could say I did more, but I really don't. Um, mm. I do notice my male anytime the temperature drops. Right. It does become a little cooler in the room. He's a lot more active. And, you know, the guy's in there doing the business with his water bowl, so that's when I'll usually, like, switch him over to her cage and see what happens. But um, I've never really noticed any signs from my female for breeding, and uh, I wish I knew a magic trick to make them interested, but I really don't. Yeah, it's almost like, I don't know, the more and more, like, uh, I think about it, the uh, snakes or reptiles, well, I'll say snakes, um, that are closer to the equator, you know, don't seem to need that drastic of a temp drop, and as you move away, from the equator, that's where it seems that that really is a factor in breeding. Right. Uh, yeah, no, hundred percent. 
the one so thing maybe- I do kind of do, I guess that would be maybe something is I do try and work with, uh, with, with whenever there's a storm, like, like I told you, I put them together from like no end of November to March. Right. When I really see it, activity in a lot of my animals is when we have storms here, you know, be it snow or rain, whatever, I always try to, uh, you know, wet their cages at the same time that there's a storm. I don't know if it sounds goofy to some, but it's just something I do. You know, I feel like they can feel that barometric pressure and stuff that we can't, you know. So, sure. so I will wet their cages down and kind of work with the storms. Like that's usually when I will introduce the animals too. you know, if, if I – if I'm on, on a whim, hey, you know what, there's me six inches of snow tonight, I'm going to sit in my reptile room all night and put snakes together. So that's right. something I do too. But I'm not so saying when it's, you're, a, it's a winner. <laughs> right. When you're wetting them down, are you, you like, what, what are you spraying, like the sides of the cages, the animal, everything? Oh, no, everything. I I got a garden hose in the basement, and I drag it around, and I just soak it, you know, put it on mist, and I you know, wet every cage down nice and evenly. Everybody, let everybody get some, let everybody get a little bit of it. Nice. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know if you hit on this earlier, but are you doing any kind of hide boxes for these guys, or do they not really? Oh yeah. Is that okay? Oh yeah. No, everybody's got everybody's got something in their cage um, for the, on the pop one side. They. they 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 crave it. I, I'm pretty sure. You know, I've had them in there. When I first got them, I didn't run them with anything, but I was used to uh-huh. a lot of big body snakes, like my berms and my retics would just push them across the cage and not even use them. So uh, I had to kind of break myself of that and you know, like focus on that you know that snake. Just focus on the snake I'm working with and try not to think of things as a whole. And and I did. Mm-hmm. I got everybody hides and they utilize them. I mean, my female. I'll walk in the room one morning and the hide's on one side of the cage and she's in it. I could come back at night. It's on the other side of the cage and she's in it. I don't know if she moves it while she's in there or if she comes out and moves it, but she, she rearranges huh. all the time. Wow. Yeah, so, so they, they definitely use them and she has, she lays her eggs in it too. Oh, in so, the hide box. Okay. Yep. Are in you the putting hide any box. kind of substrate in the hide box or is it just a straight hide box? Um, I usually run cypress mulch in all my cages just to help okay. with the humidity factor and whatnot while I'm, you know, there's, like I told you, there's times I'm not home for multiple days. So that really is my like saving grace to keep everybody right. healthy. Um, so I guess in that factor, I guess, yeah, you know, I do there 90% of the time I have some sort of media in my cages. Okay. Gotcha. Um, <clears throat> so, introductions we sort of hit on this a little bit um you know when you talk hmm. about some of your experiences is this have, like with talking with people that have also bred these are they mate selective like say white lip pythons um or is it have you heard anything it, like that um you know i i i touched on this a little bit with the gentleman i was i was telling you about briefly and I, very possible um Mm-hmm. My my female, I only have one male at the time. I had another one, and I let him go, which was like a very big mistake since they're so hard to get a hold of, as we all know. But um, she didn't like him at all, and I think that's why I moved him. I, I uh, she was always bucking him off every time he'd come near. You know, she she throw him, you know, six inches, throw throw coils at him, and I was just like, yeah, that didn't look, uh, it just didn't look good to me. And but she 
besides this, that one experience that I told you about, I never seen any aggression out of her or my big male whatsoever. It's almost like they, they do kind of, I would imagine she does have some kind of connection with him because she'll let him do anything in her cage, you know? And, mm. Right. Like when, when can you feel like if you put them together, like when can you feel Is it pretty automatic, somewhat, you know, they're not going to work. Somewhat relaxed yeah. that, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> nothing's going to happen. Right. Well, well, you know, like, well, like I was telling you, you know, before I was leaving them together for a week, a week at a time and not thinking twice, not batting an eyelash about it. And, oh, wow. um, okay. and it always seemed to be a, a, a cordial, you know, I'd put him in, he'd poke his head in her high box, she'd come out and they would both kind of be around the cage. So I never, you know, it seemed like, okay, hey, you know, they're both active now. I'd watch them. Nothing ever came of it. I didn't think twice. Um, I would say, like, like pretty much, I put them together two times since she attacked him. And mm-hmm. both times she didn't show interest, but she also didn't uh, argue it. You know what I mean? She didn't give me anything to think like, okay, I better get him out of there. She's not happy. You know, right. yeah, it just seemed – there was nothing that scared me. So I would say you, you'll probably, from my personal experiences, you'll know right away. You know, within that okay. first uh, uh, 20, 30 minutes, you'll probably know whether you should leave them <laughs> or you should stay there. <laughs> right. Gotcha. So, okay, so going forward, I mean, you've talked about where you've left them in a week and then, you know, now you're watching them like for three hours. Is that your new rule? Like, uh, I'm only going to leave them in for a little bit of time and then separate them. Oh yeah. Or, yeah, okay. definitely. I, I have too much of an emotional, emotional commitment to my animals. Like I, I right. feel like the biggest douchebag if I were to leave <laughs> them for too long and, and somebody, Something bad them. Something you know bad. what I mean? I, I yeah. would feel, sure. Uh, Mm-hmm. I'd be distraught myself, you know. So, uh, for my own personal sanity, I I don't think I'll ever leave them alone for more than a couple hours at a time. Gotcha. Now, yeah. what if you don't see? I mean, do they? Is is your experience been that they just lock up right away, or is it more? Oh of, yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. No, the first. So so okay. So I put them together. I bought them in 2015 in February. I don't think I got them till March. And okay. I tried a couple times in that March and they, they would lock up right away. So, so I, I put them together a few times. They locked up. I didn't think much of it. I was like, you know, if, if it happens, it happened. You know, I didn't really care too much. It, they have they seem to have an ability to, I don't know if they, if the females um, uh, take on eggs, if they start to develop eggs and stress or whatnot can cause them to reabsorb them. But from my personal experience that first season, she was inverting. She was, uh, you know, she was swelling. I was like, great. You know, how lucky is that? First, and uh, just got them and, and didn't right. do anything yeah. really. You know what I mean? And, um, and I was watching her like a hawk. I tell you, I was documenting everything. I'm right now. Okay. She's inverting. She's, she shed and nothing ever came of it. Not a thing. So I'm like, great. You know, she duped me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, next, next season comes along same thing i introduce them boom within first couple hours they're tangled and they're tangled for they're locked for hours on end you know for days even like i every time i come in the room you know they're they're locked in a different position like great um that season 
same thing happened. She, you know, she started inverting, she was swelling. I'm like, this is it, you know, um, uh, this is, it's happening. She shed, 30 days goes by, she shed, another 30 days away. I'm like, what the hell is going on? You know, at this point, I'm like, uh, she, she duped me again. You know, I shut down mm-hmm. my incubator, wrapped everything up. I didn't have anything else going that season. I come in the room like four days later, and she's sitting on a freaking clutch of pearly whites. So I'm like, you got to be shitting me. So now at this point, I'm running around my house, gather, you know, getting the incubator hooked up, mixing yeah. media, and, uh, you know, you know the what you do, you know, to get eggs ready. And uh, But I wasn't prepared. So with that clutch, I'm, I kind of toss it up a little bit between – my unreadiness and i i also feel none of the eggs made it i had one egg by the end of 90 days and when i cut it open he was nowhere near ready and he didn't make it okay um i i really feel like it was a little mixture between my unreadiness with the incubation and i don't think all the eggs were that viable like they had a veins but they were very small and they just didn't look right. The eggs look good, but the ve- the veins and uh, they just didn't look good to me. And every day there was another egg that was like dying off, dying off, right. dying off. And so I don't know if that was. Uh, I know that that was my animal's first clutch together. Period from both animals. Neither one of them had bred before. So I don't know if that had something to do with it too. And huh. you know, between that and my incubation failure, um, might have had a little bit. You know, do with both sides right Uh, but then the third season this obviously this last season was all the same they they, these girls are known from talking to another breeder uh he told me the same thing he said girls go all the way inverts well do it they're laying eggs they're laying eggs you know they're laying eggs and nothing ever comes of it so Mm -hmm. i have heard stories of them being quite tricky with in that area you see them breed, you see all the signs, but you don't reap the benefits. Yeah. Gotcha. Hmm. So, yeah, that was one of the things I think that uh, Rob had talked to me about is like um, that the females are, they lay inverted um, even pre-ovulation, which probably would throw people off, I would think, thinking, you know what yeah, I mean? Like, you kind of you imagine person. that? You're like, oh, yeah. I'm good. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. Damn. You, know, you, even, you even get like multiple sheds. Like I tell you, um, I've got some stuff written down, and and I'm hoping to get a few more seasons of knowledge uh-huh. so I can compare things. You know what I mean? And hopefully, even in the next few seasons, maybe one of these other girls will reach an age where she can produce some eggs for me. Um, I've heard of females that were too small laying deformed eggs. Um, yeah. Okay. Females, females in the eight to nine foot range that did take dropping very small clutches, like five to eight eggs, and all, and they're all like deformed and pimply. But uh, so I, I'm curious. I don't want to. I don't want to push it. You know, I'm going to wait till these girls get some girth on them, and I feel comfortable to even try sure. it. But um, I'm hoping to be able to put together some shareable knowledge that has some kind of, you know, muscle to it that I can show people. In mm-hmm. the near future. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Um, so what's the time frame between, I mean, you know, like an ovulation and a prelay shed? Do you, do you have that info? Like, uh, I've got something here for you. I was putting them together 
I started putting them together in mid-November in 2017. The last time they were together was February 25th, all right? Mm-hmm. And, right. Uh, let's see here. The female, she shed, oh, she shed on the 25th of February, and that's why I took the male out. She okay. then shed again on the 28th of March, and eggs came on the 10th of April. So that's when that's when she started laying eggs. So, I mean, a pretty standard cycle there. You know, she right. they were together for a few months. You know, you got a uh, shed in February, a shed in March, eggs in April. You know, so pre-lay, uh, pretty typical, I would, I would say, for – with most pythons. Okay. All right. Cool. Um, so let's talk about like, uh, egg line. Are they, I don't know, uh, what size are the eggs and like, you know, are they big? I'm assuming they're big eggs. Like, uh, uh, I guess compared them to like retic eggs or something like that. Yeah. I'd say between, uh, between a ball python and like a berm egg, there's like a healthy okay. medium between there, uh, and that's about where they would they would fall to my you know just using my knowledge of what I have seen and touched. Um, I will say I'm fairly sure that my my babies were on the small side. After speaking, you know, I I spoke with Casper. Uh, I reached out to him. He was very open and willing to share any information he could with me. Um, his, it seemed his babies were a little on on the bigger side. And uh, as well with the other gentleman I was speaking about, uh, his baby seemed to be bigger. My, my, these guys came out at around like 18 to 24 inches. Um, uh-huh. So I, it was hard for me to gauge what they were going to eat. To be honest, uh, they were such they have such a slender neck, like a lot like the carpet pythons. You know, they just don't look like they're going to be able to take that big of a meal. But everybody I was reaching out to told me they were taking mice from the jump and. My wow. animals just didn't do that. Um, it was up to like three months mark, and nobody was eating, and I was sweating at that point. Uh, so right. I did some force feeding. Um, okay. Try to get some stimulation going on. You know, wake up that appetite, that thirst for hunger, and it just never happened. I, I mean, I was sweating at this point. I'm like, great. You know, I didn't think I was going to make it this far, and now I did. I'm going to drop the ball. Like, come on. Uh, man that must so, have been nerve-wracking <laughs> oh yeah. extremely like i kid you not like i was and i was trying anything and everything you know you know rats mice uh african softwares you, you name it like if it had fur i was trying it um right it, it just it was it, and i and i didn't sweat it because i also had heard through the grapevine through the few people i've reached out to that it was not unheard of two three months before they take a meal so so I was waiting it out, and I didn't really start to sweat until I started to see, you know, okay, he looks like he's got a little extra skin on his sides there. She looks like she's getting a little thin. Like, we got to – now we got to do something here. And um, I'll share my little secret with you guys. I was like, well, well, hell, they eat snakes, right? You know, so – Oh, no. <laughs> why not – why don't I try a lizard? I And I went to a local swap. Um, I bought some uh, house geckos. I put them in the freezer. You know, I, uh, I euthanized them. I put them in the freezer for you know deworm debugging purposes. Uh, left them in there. Kept trying other stuff. I left them in there for about a month, and 
started using them, and boom, every one of them ate. Everybody took one. I was like, this is the ticket. You know, so now everybody else I've spoke to says they went straight to mice. My animals, per se, did not. It, it, it was not that smooth. Huh. Um, and and I progressed from there. I went to um, – I, I, I actually made a little concoction. I took mice, and I wrapped a, a piece of hair around them with, with geckos attached to it and fed them that, you know, slowly started scenting to strict, you know, getting down to just, at this point I'm to mice, but it it went from, uh, you know, mouse and gecko wraps to scented mice to straight mice. And it was a bit of a procedure, you know? Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Huh. So about how long did it take for, uh, eggs laid to eggs had? Oh, not nine. I incubated at 86 degrees. And it took uh-huh. 90 days. 90 days. 90 days. Correct. Yes, sir. Um, how big are the eggs compared to, let's say, like carpet python eggs or uh, other uh, other python eggs? Um, the saying it's I'd have to put them at, at a healthy medium between a ball python and a berm. You know, they're they're more oblong than round. And, okay. But but. Uh, Nowhere near the girth of a berm, you know. There's, there's a healthy medium between a ball and a berm. That's about as best as I could describe it, to be honest. And and they're they're right in between there. What's the Makes average sense. clutch size? Like what's the? Yeah. Um. From so this is just from my knowledge. Okay. Only what I have seen and what I know. My sure. first clutch that she laid was 14 eggs. Okay. Um The second clutch that she laid was only 12 and um those are actually both small numbers from what i've heard from others i heard clutches from 18 the smallest to 23 the most um so from so from what i'm guessing is my female is just hitting her prime she's just now entering that stage in her life where she's ready to reproduce and I feel like we'll probably see bigger clutches in the future uh, as, as this, you know, hopefully, hopefully, and as things progress and she ages more, um, I, I hope to, to see more health, you know, even healthier, more viable clutches. Um, right. Out of the 12 eggs that I got last season, um, I only had nine surviving babies. Uh, the first three animals that came out of the eggs, I don't know what happened. They came out, they were fully intact completely absorbed their yolk and I would I would come into my room I'd open the incubator and there would be this beautiful fully developed snake dead no uh, signs damn it. of what's no signs of what's wrong now I'm freaking out because you know one hatched boom it's dead I'm like you got to be kidding me what a what a fluke you know okay uh, you know things happen mother nature's weird uh chop it up into it, shit happens put it in the freezer you know uh, yeah. Uh, later that night, boom, another one, same thing. Damn. And this now, I'm now I'm really freaking out. You know, I'm I'm, mm-hmm. I'm like emailing Casper, like I know it's probably one in the morning in the Netherlands, but uh, do you like, know anything about this? Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Was there any kind of explanation thing, for it? Um, he d- didn't have an explanation, but he actually told me the same thing happened to him. 
he, he did confirm with me that he had um, – I, I, I don't want to give you numbers because I don't remember off the top of my head. I don't want to sure. sound like a liar. But uh, he did confirm that it happened to him, and I feel like it was about the same ratio in per se in my, as it happened in my clutch. Okay. So so it, he did have the same uh, situation. And I've also – just talking about this with other people, a few uh, carpet breeders told me they've experienced, you know, they've had similar experiences where babies just shoot out of the egg and, you know, no one knows what happens. You come in there and they're fully developed and just not, they're, they're not viable. They're dead. Yeah. I was talking yeah, about that. Unfortunately. Uh, a couple of weeks ago that happened to me, you know, I just had it once, but it, yeah, it happened. Yeah. You know, it could be, it's uh, and it's the damnedest thing, you know, because I mean they're fully developed. And honestly, um, two of them that it happened to were like the biggest babies in the clutch. They were the biggest animals. So I don't, I don't know. That's I mean, so I'm not weird. really one to, I'm not one to like, you know, weigh my animals when they're born and all that. Like I, I more or less, you know, visually gauge them. Uh, right. But you know, definitely two of them that that happened to were the biggest animals in out of the clutch, and no rhyme or reason. Uh, the only thing I will say is after that happened, I did make I I made sure my tubs were like extra ventilated at the end because uh-huh. I started freaking out like are are they uh, you know are they over exerting are they are they fighting to to get some more oxygen so I actually like over ventilated my tub at that point like I there was ventilation when it was happening but you know nothing crazy so I went over the top and everybody else was fine I mean could be a fluke it might not have done anything it may have just been you know, Mother Nature, those animals weren't meant to survive. But I, I felt better knowing I tried something. Sure. Right. Sure. So, um, when it comes to the babies, they used to let their feet right off the bat. Um, how large do you – I know you said you don't weigh them, but, you know, how big were we looking baby-wise compared to other pythons? Are we saying, like, smaller than a berm, bigger than a carpet? Uh, as it, oh, as in when they're first hatch? Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, they came out every bit of 18, 24 inches long all day. And, um, okay. maybe, you know, about the thickness of a Sharpie at the, at the, at the thickest part of their body. Um, I, but I heard about, I honestly, I, the animals that I, the people I've talked to, their animals seemed like they were much bigger than mine. So I don't know if this comes into, uh, just genetic diversity or if there's, um, more to it than we know, you know, the, obviously these animals come from, um, PNG and all these islands around, uh, just like retakes and other animals, we see big size differences. in. so it, yeah, it could get pretty deep, I guess, you know, but, um, yeah, I'd say somewhere between a berm and a, uh, more towards the berm than a carpet on that scale. Mm, uh, right. Size of the babies. Huh. And, and I'm so, at, they're at seven months and, they're all sitting at around like three feet now. Mm. So they're, they're, they definitely, you know, they've all grown and they're becoming, and they're, they're becoming really the inquisitive Papua and Python that I wish everybody knew about. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So uh, when setting up the babies, do you, um, do you set them up kind of like a miniature version of the adults? Do you offer any kind of a perching? Um, you know what? I honestly wish I would have like kind of experimented with them a little more, but 
I did play around with my adults and my younger animals. And even when offered, they don't really seem to utilize it. Um, I plan on experimenting a little more with it in the near future. I'm, I'm working on an outside pen for as soon as the weather changes. Um, then I can give my animals some free time in to let everybody get, you know, some stretching and fresh air, exercising. Um, and I and I hope to gain more knowledge from it once I do that. But I haven't experimented with the babies too much. You know, I I've just kept them in a in a more of a terrestrial layout. You know, they got their water bowl, a hide, and and really that's it. Um, honestly, don't expect to see them uh, be, mm-hmm. do too much with the arboreal setup. Because even my snakes, when they get out, when I let them roam around, they don't use it. It's like, but as soon as you pick them up, they want to go as high as they can. But when hmm. they're on the floor, when they're on the ground, that's it. You know, they're cool. Um, I do have a feeling that the babies are going to be almost semi-arboreal, though. Yeah. They're, they're, when you look at their body and, and, and you read their body language when they're moving around, it, like, screams it. But mm. when you offer it to them, they don't utilize it like you think they would. Okay. So, so, so definitely need some to need to do some experimenting with it and uh, kind of get a little more info for it before I could give you a full answer on that one. Okay. Now, uh, I I know you said that there were some of them that were kind of a little bit of a bear to get feeding. Were there others mm-hmm. that took the food immediately? Was it kind of like a mixed bag, or was everybody kind of pain in the balls? Mm-hmm. They were all just fucking trying to give me a heart attack. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. it, it was seriously like I, I would be at work thinking about it like, oh, my God, if one of these babies are dead when I come home, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, you know, it was it was such a – like I was so excited that first season I got eggs. Even after none of them survived, it was very demoralizing like mm-hmm. for, on my part. Like, damn, what did I do wrong? But the more I thought about it, I'm like, wait a minute there's people who've never even seen these guys' eggs. There's people who've never even seen yeah. a snake before. You know what I mean? So right. <laughs> I, I, I talked myself off of that, and I had a sense of accomplishment no matter what. Like, I did something that I've wanted to do since I was a kid. You know, not too many people even get to do that. You know, so right. mm-hmm. um, for me, I got past that, and, and I, you know, I've been taking it with strides. Like, I, um, I'm enjoying every minute of it. I'm learning, you know, and who doesn't, like to learn, especially about something that you're truly interested in. You know what I mean? So for they definitely been scaring me, but it's it's worth it. <laughs> it it yeah. pays off in there. So are you kind of in the theory of that uh, with with continued breeding um, and more captive born and bred clutches in the U.S. that it's going to get a little bit easier to breed them, a little bit easier to get the babies that will you know. Uh, eat better and stuff like that? Are you kind of like thinking that we're in the just the beginning phases of this stuff? Uh, I would say so. I, I mean, I can only imagine. You know, I remember being a kid when nobody wanted – reticulated pythons were $50, and they were people were giving away, you know, 12, 15-foot animals because nobody understood them. And, no, mm. and look where we are with three ticks today. You know, they're they're puppy dogs, you know, essentially. Yeah. And, 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 and I mean, they breed – they. They'll breed a log. I mean, you know, they breed by accident. Nothing to it anymore. Yeah. Right. You know, <laughs> so I, I, another prime example is blackheads. Look at how far they've come. I really, I think no matter what captive breeding is going to advance and uh, definitely enhance this species for sure. 
Awesome. Awesome. Very cool. So, um, uh, I guess because we flip-flopped and all the wonderful stuff of me getting cut off in the beginning, Eric, uh, do you want to do the closing questions tonight? <laughs> it wouldn't be the same, Owen, if you didn't do no, it. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Um, so, I guess with these, we just kind of have the, the after questions for you, Kevin, which would just be the um, – if you could keep any reptile without any limitations, whether they be by law or money or space, what would it be and why would you want it? Um, honestly, uh, due to the a very distinct episode of the Crocodile Hunter when I was a kid in the late great Steve Irwin, I would have a Komodo dragon. If there was no stipulations, <laughs> nothing attached, that guy would live in my backyard and in my house and on the couch. Like that'd be, you know, that episode of him running around on that island with those monsters chasing him, like that, yeah, that's so, my they, dream. He did run up a tree to get away from one. Do you remember that part? I do. Because, I, yeah, I remember. Doesn't yes, matter. Do. All right. <laughs> nope, not at all. No. <laughs> That'd be the animal for me. Awesome. All right. So now if you could go and herp anywhere on the planet, where would you want to go and what would you be hoping to find? See, that's a hard one for me. Um, mm. I'm Obviously, like anybody, I would love to see – PNG and every island from there to Indonesia, you know, touch them all. Anything that's anything I could walk on, I'd want to see it. Uh, right. Between there and Madagascar are, are would be my two like need to sees. They are my two need to sees before they disappear or I die. So um, that would be them. Awesome. And honestly, uh, I would love to to see Papuans in the wild, just to see how they, where you find them. Are you going to find them on? on the ground in a hole or you're going to find a perch on a, on a, on a low tree, a high, tree, you know, uh, upper canopy where are you <laughs> going to find them? Like, uh, I would like to see their natural placement in the ecosystem. You know? Right. <laughs> and if you find an adult in a tree, what's that going to do? Cause I mean, you said yours just don't give a crap. So exactly. Like, exactly. Like, Oh crap. That like, blows my mind. So, all right. And that's what I mean. <laughs> I, I want to know what they I want to know where they belong in the ecosystem. Well, where, uh-huh. where do they play their role? Because it's all assumption once you take them out of their natural habitat. Yeah. You know, it's all. Sure. Definitely. So that would be my must see. All right. So now what is your next, next uh, reptile purchase? Like what's that? What's that thing that's kind of hanging at the back of your head that you know that if it was available, you'd nab it up? And uh, Or what's the thing you're going to be adding this year? Um, I have every intention of this year. Uh, actually, just got an uh, email back. Uh, I want to get into some Cuban boas. I've never really been a boa guy, but that's another animal that used to always come up when I was a kid, when I was looking up big snakes and um They've always piqued my interest, and nobody really works with them. Obviously, Tom Tom Clutchfield has his animals, but besides him, I don't really know too many big any any names that ring a bell uh, for people who uh, keep them and breed them. And it's just something that's always intrigued me. You know, it's kind of what tickles my button is stuff that nobody has, and why aren't people giving it that time or chance? You know? Yeah, definitely. Awesome. 
Awesome. Okay. So uh, now, what are the best ways to follow you, follow what you're doing with Top One? They're intrigued or they want to get a uh, see if you have any available. How would people get in contact with you? Um, honestly, I only have like a personal Facebook page. I'm not that out there with um, uh, I don't have a, a page just for my reptiles or anything. But if anybody wanted to follow me on my personal page, you know, shoot me a message. That's that's okay with me. I don't know if it's something. Uh, give me a spell it out for you. I got a really long last name. Or uh, if you if you have a link or something like that, but uh, send me a message. Let me know you're interested in poplins. I'm likely I'll add you and you know, just follow me that way. Cool. Yeah. Well, all right. I mean, that's uh, definitely awesome with uh, with all the, with the, a species that a lot of people either aren't working with or don't have a lot of answers for. And uh, I, I know Eric is uh, excited to get his. Papa ones, so uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, and you know what? And he's got he's gonna love it because he's getting the best of both worlds. I tell you, he's got two animals coming, and one is already converted into that great animal, and one still one still got a little spice. So I'm sure he'll be. <laughs> <excited to work laughs> <with him>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, uh, after playing with the one pop one he already has uh, is. Uh, a dangerous thing for me. And I imagine once he gets the captive born and bred ones, it's going to be even more uh, dangerous. So I'm a, I may have to ignore my friend's collection for a bit until uh, (laughs) I can figure out how much space I have. So, you know, he'll understand. Understandably. Yeah. You know, it's it's every, every Herper's worst nightmare is is a space restriction. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And every Herper's worst nightmare is having a friend who gets something that you don't have that he says is awesome. It's like, oh, really? Why? (laughs) And then, oh, yeah, he talks you into it. So that's yeah, dangerous. It's not hard. No, it is not. But uh, that's awesome. I, well, we wish you continued success with these guys, and uh, you know, please keep us updated with how your breeding goes uh, this coming season. Hopefully, you're sitting on a stack of pearly whites that uh, the babies aren't as big of assholes as this past bunch. And uh, fingers crossed. You know, <laughs> yeah, maybe, and, and you can get some good stuff out of it. So. You know, every year, every year I'll be that much wiser. That's all. Yeah, you know? that's the whole point. Yeah. That's the whole point. I appreciate but... you guys letting me come on and share what I know. You know, I, I don't I hope nobody takes this to, um, to a scientific level. This is just a, a a snake guy being a nerd playing with his snakes. You know, just I'm sharing what I can and what I've seen. You know, so. Oh yeah. Well, um, that's that's all we do, and I mean, except when Nick's <laughs> on, and then we yeah. try to play like we're smart. So yeah, I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Ari comes on and schools us. We're like, yeah, yeah, New Guinea and all. So yeah, it's good. No, we definitely like this stuff. And uh, thank you for sharing because a lot of people in your position might not even want to divulge information of how you got success. So you know, that's no, awesome. No, the, the, the more on. people, the, the more people who are have some idea or better. You know, I was scrounging the internet. There's nothing good, you know, good luck to you. I've reached out to every person's name who I've seen attached to a Papuan Python ad or Papuan Python link. So, um, share, be generous guys. You know, we're all, we're all trying to do the same thing. Yeah. So awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, best of luck. Well, uh, We'll catch up with you soon, and we'll, uh, you know, see what's up. 
All right, gentlemen, sounds good. You guys have a good night. You too, man. You too. Bye. Cool. I don't have. Cool, cool, I do cool. not have the space. I do not have the space. I do not have the space. <laughs> I do not have the space. I oh, do and not this is right up your have, alley. So I I do not have the space. Okay. Wait till Carpet Fest comes. Then no, no, there's no waiting for Carpet Fest. No space. Like out of the adult, like I have the olives are set up in their cages. All my four footers are filled with things. I would have to get rid of a considerable amount of carpet pythons and such. Yeah. No. Ah. <laughs> no, damn no, it. Like, all right. No, no. Do I need those? Um, I don't know. So, yeah. All right. No. All right. Anyway, <laughs> that cool. they sound like a cool species, and you know what that 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 color change thing. I definitely saw that in that one that you already have, because when we were there, when we first got there, it was kind of like a greenish color, and then by the time Mac got there, the thing was black. So it was, yeah, it's definitely very yeah. cool to see. So um, yeah, uh, yeah, I can't wait to to I don't know, just see the difference between this girl and, and those, you know, one being, you know, a wild caught as opposed to a, uh, you know, captive born and bred. Yeah. See what does. But uh, yeah, I'm excited about that, man. Uh, it'll be fun. Like everybody where I know you always say it all the time about blackheads. No, yes. no, 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 no. Blackheads are babies compared to like all the stories that I've heard about. Like you mean God. being afraid of the like put snakes together. Like I don't know who I was talking to, but they were talking about blackheads really aren't uh, as bad as as people think that they are. You know, but 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 even then, like dude, I let, let me put it this way: I, I have to put the cow kings together probably yeah. tomorrow. I right. fed them all tonight. I fed them all right. tonight, and they slammed their food. Like they were going at it to the point now where I'm gun shy about tomorrow. I'm like, I don't know. And I'm like, and those are Cali King snakes. They were like $100 each. Like, you know, come on. And right. they're a dime a dozen. They're, they're, they're easily replaceable, you know. And, and even then, like, if they do wrap each other, I can easily separate them with my hands, you know. And now we're going to go and get uh, just, you imagine, you, all right, you know, you are a hobbit-sized person, can you imagine pulling apart two Papa One Pythons adults? They'd end up just killing you. So, you know, yeah, probably, that's something but... you need to worry about. <laughs> I'm concerned yeah. for you. But... Uh, yeah. Cool snake. I don't know. It, for sure. I, I'd, be, I'd have a big bucket of ice water, and I'd be nervous as hell. I'm nervous as hell with the white lips. So, but uh, they're still so cool yeah. animals, and I love their faces. I mean that's definitely grown on me. Yeah, you know it's it's I, I worry about the same thing with ring pythons as well. Like you know they're growing up and you know, yeah, <laughs> I just worry about the the same same thing because I've heard that that's uh, with them too. But uh, yeah. hey man, if you want something really cool, you got to take the chance, I guess you know. So well, and and it's funnier because we're so used to seeing one thing, and then when we get into a different species or a different uh, type of animal and we see another thing we immediately panic like did you know that the Dominican red mountain boas will actually coil up the entire female as he's breeding her I did not now you do because wow. I had the moment <laughs> where I opened up the cage 
and he pretty much had her completely wrapped. And I'm like, what the hell? And I go to reach in, and then I realize that they're locked. And I'm like, I, are you killing her and breeding her? I don't know what's going on here. And then looking online, you find out that they just he they lock, and then he just like coils all the way up as much as he can. Uh, her, so huh? Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. I know. I freaked out the first time too. It's like white lip hairballs. No one knew it was coming until it happened. Right. And what you're like, what? <laughs> what the hell? Exactly. So, <laughs> you know, it's it, it, it would kind of almost feel weird to me that whole like them pop, pop ones like punching you with like their heads. I'd be like, right. what the hell was that? Like every time. So, right. But it's a cool species. Awesome. Very cool. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was, uh, I, I got to go back and listen to the, uh, to the episode and, uh, um, you know, pick it apart and try to get, you know, see if I can learn any little tidbits of stuff to, to get these yeah. guys. It's, your, your large snake room, your large snake room, when it's done, is going to be one yeah. of the scariest places in the world. I mean, like you know, yeah. African, African African rocks, birds, uh, retics, papuans. Like you know, I'm waiting for you know anaconda, but no, 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 no. Those are they're, boas. They're, they don't count. So. No, I mean, they're, I I don't know. They never. I I like them, oh. and I, I'd like you know. It's weird how like one species you're like, yeah, you're interested in from uh, just learning about them and you don't really need to keep them where other ones right. are like drawn to keep them. That's a weird thing. Right. Yeah. You know? But they're one of those ones where I, I like them and uh, enjoy hearing about them and whatnot. But nah, man. Oh, they, God. I almost were... forgot your barnecks. They're in there, too. Yeah. Yeah, I got. Well, actually, I got. uh the highlands, the southerns, and the northern. So, yeah, dude, doom, dude. Of, I'm gonna come. I'm gonna a come lot of watch peace going on it. in that big snake. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I want to come and just watch. I'm not gonna help. I just want to watch. Like you know, you just see how you clean it. So, well, what you know? What's weird? I, mm. Everybody says that Timor pythons shit on you. I get shit on more by my southern barneck or southern <laughs> scrubs than I do from the Timor. I haven't been shit on yet by that that guy, but I I have not been shit on by a Timor python until I packed it up for the show recently, and then it just hit me right in the chest, and I'm like, oh, well now you're definitely going like, and now I don't care anymore. So oh, it bit uh, you in the chest? No, it it shit all over my like it just sprayed it out at me like and it hit me in the chest. Oh. As I was packing it up in a display case. Oh, wow. So I had to pull the snake out, clean the display case, change my shirt. Yeah, it was a it was a whole to-do. So. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I guess we're going to wrap up a little bit early, which uh, is no big deal on my end since i got to get up in uh, four hours. Um, you psychopath. What the hell? It worked. It worked. <laughs> 12 hour this, day so i'm gonna send a letter to shop right they're 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 they're, they're killing you yeah you know? god I got, I got another two weeks man and then you know my life can go back to normal but uh yeah so um next week we have tim bailey so i don't nice. know if you know who he is um uh, he's been on reptile radio a bunch of times and 
every time that he's gone on there, he's talked about uh, the ball pythons that he works with. No, Owen, we're not doing a ball python show, so don't worry. I was about to say, wait, am I having a seizure? <laughs> <laughs> am I having a stroke uh, here? Do... Yeah, okay. All no, right. he, he works with such, you know, some of the other cool species that he's work with, uh, working with are, obviously, he does some um, – Bloods and short tails. He does Angolans. Nice. He does Gila monsters. He does. Ooh, hello. Boas, um, you, you got me at Gila monster, so I'm paying attention and this, now. And yeah. this is what you'll really dig is that he does like these weird, weird colubrids. Um, Ooh. So, right. so uh, yeah, we're gonna be chatting with him next week, and uh, should be a good show. You know, so uh, talk to him something besides uh, ball pythons and. Uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward cool. to that one. Cool. I was um, like, I was, I was hanging out behind Matt's table at Hamburg uh, again with the whole, uh, you know, every once in a while I'd say something about his slug snakes and he'd make fun of me for something else and this and the other thing. So yeah, I mean, uh, the short tail stuff is uh, definitely still very cool. Um, I kept trying to make combinations that would upset him, and uh, Lon and Frank just told me to combine everything with a black blood. And uh, that would get him. So, <laughs> yeah, that would. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it's a miracle Matt still talks to me after Hamburg. So I'm just saying, you know, I wouldn't. But anyway, <laughs> right. <laughs> nice. So, um, yeah, I. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know, man. So that's the show for next next week uh, i gotta cool. i'm gonna jump on booking some uh some other shows i got some people lined up i just haven't got confirmation yet but uh some cool episodes in the upcoming future uh for us com is our website um info at moraypythonradio.com is um our email um, so you can contact us that way. Um, you can follow us on Facebook and, you know, all the various things. As far as myself, uh, ebmorelia.com is my website. Um, I just updated uh, a bunch of stuff on my breeding diaries. Um, so you can check out, uh, check out what's going on there. Um, see what I have. I, I'm yeah. I think I think you're right, man. I'm gonna be going crazy this season. <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, like you got. Well, first off, you're making me nervous because you're like, I'm on clutch number two, and I'm like, do something. I'm like yelling at my guys. Like I'm like, right. somebody do something. And then you're like, it's IJ. I'm like, okay. We aren't used to having eggs this early because apparently this is when the IJs go, and that never happens here. So I forgive all of you for doing whatever it is you're doing. But get a move on. If he puts a coastal clutch on the ground, I'm gonna start questioning things. So yeah, you know. So probably so so there's two coastal clutches that I'm real excited about. Um, and Penn. That's number one. She All had right. a prelay shed, so she'll <clears throat> probably be shed. She'll probably be laying in about maybe fifteen days. 40. Really? Yeah. Well, she had it a couple weeks ago. Oh, okay, all right. Well, like, yeah, yeah. like, when the hell do you count that off? It's like, all right. Yeah. So, all right. She's looking nice and plump, so hopefully nice. I get a good clutch out of her. Uh, man, that would be so cool if I could re- yes. replicate her. Holy shit. She's oh. um, and then uh, I have a shot at 
ghost, well, Exanic Caramels this Thank you. season. <laughs> um, All right. Which which will be pretty cool if I can hit it that. It will be. I'll be super excited. No Jag, no nothing, just straight up Coastal with Exanic and Caramel. So I'm looking forward to uh, hopefully hitting that. And I think they're next to go. Um, and the other one I'm pretty excited about is finally putting Citrus Tiger to Citrus Tiger. I got Red Tiger to Red Tiger. Uh, man, there's a lot of shit. So yeah, I, I I think I'm heading down the pike. My first, uh, I think the first one that's going to drop is my Jungle Clutch, which is a repeat of what I did last year. My uh, Mojo Reptiles female to Delia Scattershot male. So I'm pretty sure that's going to go first because she looks huge and uncomfortable. After that, right. I'm pretty sure it's either going to be the Dominican Red Mountain Boa because she shed and we're counting it down, um, which I'm thrilled about. And then uh, either the Woma or we'll head into some of the other ones. I do have a Tiger Coastal Girl that's looking good. And I've seen a lot of locks with the my Exanic male and my large Coastal female and my uh, super caramel female, but then I've also seen locks between my two zebras. So it's, uh, I'm going to see who does what, but, um, hopefully we'll get some eggs out of this stuff. And, uh, all the colubrids of course are coming out of, uh, cool down this week and getting put together. So we'll see how they go. You know, uh, I forgot to say this one, but, um, yeah, my, my exanic girl albino pairing, uh, I don't believe that good. pairing anymore. I don't believe you. Like that I know. pairing all on its own. You know, usually I mean, at this time, you know, you know you that quit. feeling <laughs> I talk about, right? And like, usually at this time, I'm like feeling her, and like I feel nothing. It feels like, uh, you know, like one of those, like a squishy, squishy ball or something. You yeah, know, there's yeah, like yeah, nothing yeah. to it. And I'm like, ah, oh, man, another dull season. So I went in there the other day, and and I I grabbed her, and I was like, oh okay, maybe this is the year, you know? So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but uh, uh, that, that snake hate you. And that snake hates you. Cause it, it is I know. never, it has never done what you wanted it to do. <laughs> so I know, man. I know. You know, holy shit. So you imagine like, getting on, that after man. how many years of trying? <laughs> yeah, I know. People are going to produce an actual snows before I just produce. Heads. <laughs> like, oh, that Finally, double heads, Eric. No one cares. God damn it! <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I'll care, dude. When that <laughs> yeah. snow comes crawling out of that, I'll be like, oh man. So that'll be cool. Yep. So uh, yeah, for me, Eb Morelli, you can follow me on Facebook. Uh, actually, I don't. I don't really go on Facebook all that much anymore. Me I got either. Messenger, <laughs> and I got uh, the page. My page. I posted a page. So if you want to follow me, go to my page. Um, and uh, probably the best way is my website. You know, I'm slowly, slowly chipping away more and more and more, <laughs> working on that and getting it up to speed where I want it. So if you want to get in contact with me, best way, uh, eric at ebmorelia.com. That's all I got. Cool. Uh, what I got is you can go to rogue-reptiles.com. Check out all the stuff we got going on at Rogue. Um, we are... Currently updating our babies for sale. We sold a few. Uh, so if you do have an inquiry on a baby, please drop me a line. Let me know what you're looking at and see what's still available. Um, I will be headed out to the Tinley Park show in March. I will not be vending, but I will be attending so I can bring animals 
to anybody out there who has purchased anything. Uh, oh, speaking of that, sorry. My goddamn IJ for you. So it's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. You gotta, All right. You gotta pick something up for me. <laughs> if, if you would be I, so kind. I, I am. It's fine. Um. So You're all I, right. I was I was gonna say that if uh, if that just does not go for me, if you also wanted to get something from Eric, I'm sure we could range something and I can bring it out too. That's no worries. Sure. Uh, um, of course, with that, uh, we just had the Hamburg show, so we will not be back there till uh, April, if I, can, if I can get a table. Um, so we'll have to see about that. Uh, other than that, other shows, uh, we'll let you guys know as they come up. Um, book and look up Rogue Reptiles on Facebook.com. See all the stuff we have going on there. Uh, that's all we have for everybody tonight. We will say thank you all for listening, and we're going to catch everybody back here next week for some more Morelia Python radio. Good night.